Welcome to Peace by Believing. My name's John Redmond. I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And on today's program, we're going to be thinking about the fact that our relationship with God is not just between us and God. Our relationship with God is between us and God and everybody else that God brings into our lives. Now, I want you to think about what I've said and let me personalize that even more for you. Your relationship with God is not just about you and God. Your relationship with God is about you and God and all the other people whom God allows into your life. If your relationship with God was only between you and God, it would be a lot easier in some ways because God is easy to, easy to get along with. God's never in a bad mood. God's always the same. And yet none of us are like that. If you're in a relationship with me, Sometimes I'm in a bad mood. I'm not always the same. I'm Not every day is my best day. And that's true for all of us. And so where we have trouble in life is not really with God. Where we have trouble is with one another. And so on today's program, we're going to be thinking about how we can have better relationships, how we can treat others the way Christ has treated us, And if you have your Bible today, I would invite you to open it to the Gospel of John in chapter number 13. And on today's program, we're going to be thinking about that time when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. In fact, it says in John chapter 13 and beginning in verse number 4 that Jesus rose from supper, he laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Now you think about that. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Jesus knew that his relationship with God the Father was not just between him and God the Father. In fact, had it only been between him and his Father, Jesus never would have left heaven to begin with. He would have stayed in heaven. He already had a relationship with the Father, but he left heaven, came to earth, so that he could have relationships with us. And so today, as we let Jesus be our example, we're going to learn how we can have better relationships with others and how, in doing that, we can have an even better relationship with God. The setting of this episode, of course, was the upper room in Jerusalem on the Thursday night before Jesus was crucified on Friday morning. There was Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. They had the Last Supper. He made it the Lord's Supper. And then he washed the disciples' feet. And in this act of humility, in this act of grace, In this act of service, Jesus has given us an example that we, like what he did, should serve other people to help other people in any way that we can. Now, what I want to do in the message tonight is just pull out some very obvious truths. In fact, if you were preaching this sermon tonight, or if you were teaching this in your class, and the assignment was read that passage and pull out some truths and teach the lesson... You would say many of the things that I'm about to say because it is so obvious 
the lessons that apply that it's not hard for me to pull them out tonight. But let me begin simply by saying this. In order for us to serve others, in order for us to wash other people's feet, as it were, in order for us to be more like Jesus in our human relationships, we all can get along with God, but it is one another where we seem to have the trouble. First of all, I think there are several things here, and I wish you'd just jot these down. Number one, you must think of yourself less. Think of yourself less. Now, I did not say think less of yourself. I didn't say put yourself down. I said think of yourself less. Most of us get in trouble in relationships when we're focused too much on us, on me, on how does this affect me. And so we're thinking of ourselves, and sometimes in these relationships, somebody does something or somebody says something, and it hurts us or it rubs us the wrong way or it's just flat out wrong. And as we look at that situation, we start thinking about us and what this does to us. But the more we think of ourselves, the more trouble we will get into. Now think about Jesus. He is only hours away from the cross. If Jesus ever had an occasion where he would have been fully justified to have thought about himself, it was on this night. Jesus was thinking, within a few hours, I will be on a cross for the first time in all eternity. I will be separated from the Father. The sins of the whole world will be on me for the first time in all of existence and before existence and all of eternity. I will know the defilement that comes with sin. If ever Jesus had an occasion to be thinking about himself, if ever Jesus would have been justified to have asked his disciples to pray for him, it would have been on this night. And yet, after the meal was over, Jesus stood up from the table. He got a towel and put it around his waist. He went over and got a basin of water. And he got down on his knees. And to all 12 disciples, he took that water, he washed their feet, and he took that towel, and he dried those same feet. Jesus was thinking, not of himself, but he was thinking on his, about his disciples on this Thursday night. And so the first thing we have to do, if we're going to have, let me say it this way, if we're going to please God in our human relationships, we have to think of our self less. One of the things that will help all of us when it comes to relating better to each other is not just to think of ourselves, but to think of others. What can I do to be a blessing to somebody else not just what can somebody else do to be a blessing to me? If you agree with that, say amen. That's the first thing. The second thing that will help us in our relationships with each other, not only do we need to think of ourselves less, but the second thing we need to do is exactly what Jesus did, and that is to look for ways to meet the practical needs of others. To meet the practical needs of others. Now, on this particular night, Jesus washed these disciples' feet. Did you know there are churches today who have foot washing ceremonies? And that's a fine thing to do. That's a wonderful thing to do. I can remember when I was a student minister here, there was a time or two when the student, we went to a, student, a youth camp, and on the last night of the camp, we had a little foot washing ceremony. It was symbolic that we are here to serve each other. But now keep in mind, when Jesus was washing their feet, 
He was meeting a real need. Strictly speaking, for you to wash another person's foot is probably not the greatest thing you could do for that person. In fact, after the service tonight, if you get home and start taking your spouse's socks and shoes off, you may get kicked instead of appreciated because they're going to find that odd. Think about this. In Bible times, for somebody to have their foot washed met a genuine need. In Bible times, the people walked everywhere they went. They didn't have cars. The roads they walked on were not paved. They were dusty and dirty. That's all they were walking on was dirt. They didn't have socks like we have today. They wore sandals that were open. And so after a day of traveling like that, their feet were dirty. Well, back in Bible times, most people in their houses, or I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people in their houses, they had house servants. And so when the owner of the home came home in the evening, the servant would meet that person at the front door and wash the owner of the house's feet. Or if company was coming for dinner, when the company got there, the servant would go to the door and take the person's sandals off and wash their feet. They were meeting a real and a legitimate need. And so today, if you're ever involved in a foot washing ceremony, I'm not saying it's not good. I think it is good. But it's more symbolic. It's different today than it was in Jesus' time. And so the way that we live this out is probably not by literally washing somebody else's foot, whose foot is probably fairly clean anyway. The way that we would live this out today is by looking at the situation that that person is in and by asking ourselves this question. What can I do to practically meet their need? Now, some people that we come in contact with, they have an emotional need. That's what their need is. And what they need is for somebody to listen to them. Some people, for them, it's not as much an emotional need. It is a spiritual need. They have a spiritual need. And what they need from us is wisdom, biblical counsel, and discernment. Some people have a physical need, whether in their body or at their house or some physical need. That's the purpose of all these mission trips and mission projects that our church is involved in. What's the church doing? The church is identifying physical, practical needs and going out there and trying to meet those needs any way that they can. And then sometimes a person has a financial need. If somebody has a financial need, they don't need you to wash their feet. They need money. They need assistance. And so if we're going to carry out what Jesus was teaching, it's not just washing people's feet who today don't even need their feet washed. It is instead in our relationships with others, those close to us, those maybe not so close to us, but in all of our relationships to try to identify what does this person need? What is their need, and how can I meet that need? Is it an emotional need that requires listening? Is it a spiritual need that requires wisdom? Is it a physical need that requires action? Is it a financial need that requires assistance? But I'm telling you, if we will be out there in our homes, in the church, and out in the community, at our jobs, in school, with that in our mindset, who has a need, and what can I do to meet that need? As we go out into a new week, we should be thinking, what does that person need? That person who is 
acting distant from me, that person who is hurt, that person who is angry, that person who is withdrawn. What does that person really need? And then to ask God to help us, like Jesus did, to meet that need. Now, think with me. What are we saying? If we're going to be like Jesus, we have to think of ourselves less. We have to look for ways to meet the practical needs of other people. And number three, we have to show unconditional love to everybody that we come in contact with. Now, it's a lot easier for me to say that than it is for us to go out there and do that, to show unconditional love. I was in the high school student service a few Wednesday nights ago, and I was talking, not about washing feet, but I was talking to them about their relationships with each other. And I asked them a question. Because you can be more informal in a, in a smaller setting like that. But I asked him this question. I said, how many of you guys have somebody in your life who doesn't like you? And I thought two or three or ten, four or five, ten kids at the most would raise their hand. Every last one of them. I mean, they, they, I mean just as soon as I got that question out. And I said, what, do you got, what have you all done to make it, all these people not like you? And they started telling me, well, this person doesn't like me for this reason. One guy said, John, he said, there's this guy at my school who came up to me sometime back and said, I want you to know I hate you because you're always happy. And your happiness makes me mad. And I hate you. And I said, well, how did that make you feel? And he talked about that. And I was asking some of those other students. I said, now, when somebody doesn't like you, it's a little bit hard to show unconditional love for them. Now, I'm not even saying, I wasn't even asking the question, how many of you would say there's somebody in your life whom you don't like? That would be a whole other sermon there on forgiveness. But let me ask you this, just so we'll see if the adults are like the students. How many of you tonight would say that there is somebody in your life who doesn't like you? Would you just raise your hand? You rascals are as bad as those kids up there in that thing. That's most all of it. How many of you, I'm going to ask you a question I didn't ask them. How many of you would say, if you were being, I mean, honest engine, nobody looking. In fact, let's all close our eyes. Before I'm the only one looking is me. How many of you would say, if you were honest, there's somebody in your life, not only that doesn't like you, but truth be known, you don't like them all that much either. Let's just, now, the kids are raising their hand. They're being honest down here. I want to try to, if the second question, if you would answer yes to that, raise your hand. So let me see. Okay. Some are more sanctified than others, and uh, some of us are still straight. I think what we're saying is, if we're honest, it would be a lot easier if our relationship with God was just about us and God. But when these other people come into the equation, that's what makes it challenging. See, God is always the same. God is always kind. God has no bad qualities, but the rest of us do. And so as we relate to each other, if you spend enough days with me, you're going to catch me on some bad days. If the only person you're with is God, you're never going to catch God on a bad day. If I spend enough days with you, I'm going to catch you on some bad days. And that's what causes the problem. Now think about what Jesus was doing in that upper room in Jerusalem. Think about whose feet he was washing. First, he was washing the feet of a man who would soon betray him. 
Judas. Now, I want you to go back and, and see something very interesting. Look in verse number, in verse number 3. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. And so Jesus knew everything. He, he knew what was happening. The cross did not catch Jesus by surprise. He had been telling the disciples about the cross for several days or weeks leading up to this experience. He knew what was going to happen. They didn't know. Jesus knows everything. And yet, even though Jesus knew that Judas was about to betray him, Jesus got down in front of Judas. He got his hands in that water. He put his hands on Judas's feet. He washed Judas's feet. He got out the towel and he dried his feet. And then he went down the line and at some point he came to Simon Peter, one of Jesus's closest friends, one of his three closest friends in the world. And yet Jesus knew, because Jesus knows everything, that within a very short amount of time, Simon Peter would be denying that he even knew Jesus. Jesus knew that. Peter didn't even know that. But Jesus knew that. Jesus got down on his knee. He put his hands in the basin of water. He put the water on his feet. He cleaned Simon Peter's feet. He got the towel and he dried his feet. He went on down the aisle or down the, the line there and he got to Thomas who after the resurrection would doubt whether Jesus was even alive again. Thomas didn't know that he would one day become known as Doubting Thomas, but Jesus did. And Jesus could have had a bad feeling towards Thomas for that. But no, he got out on his knees, put his hands in the basin of water, put that water on Thomas's feet. He washed his feet. He got his towel and he dried his feet and he got up. I've used three of the disciples. There were 12. Think about this. Those three stand out as guys, especially what Judas did, and even Peter, although he repented to deny Jesus is a serious sin, and Thomas doubting, that's serious too. But think of this. All 12 disciples in Jesus' hour of greatest need forsook him and fled. They turned on him. And as Jesus was in that upper room in Jerusalem, he knew full well that in just a few hours, this group whom he had devoted his life to would abandon him, would forsake him, and that on that cross he would be all alone. It would have been easy for Jesus to have let that knowledge of what those guys were about to do Make him bitter and angry. And the last thing he wanted to do is wash their dirty feet. And yet, what's the third point tonight? What, what, did, what did I just say? Listen, let me read it to you. Show unconditional love to others. Now, you still listen? Say amen. amen. Jesus knew who would hurt him. In the future. We don't have that knowledge. I don't, I don't know going forward in my life who might hurt me. I don't know that. I hope nobody will. 
You don't know going forward in your life who might hurt you. I hope nobody ever hurts you. But think about this. While Jesus knew who would hurt him, we know who has hurt us. And we need to do with those people who have hurt us the same thing that Jesus did with those people who would hurt him. And that is to look for practical ways to show the unconditional love of God to them. I've said before, and it certainly bears saying in this sermon tonight, if everybody in your life loved you and was always kind to you, was always telling you how wonderful you are, was always building you up, you know what you would have? Well, for one thing, you'd have a pretty happy life if it was everybody like that. But I'll tell you what you'd miss. You would miss an opportunity to show unconditional love to people who've hurt you. And so what does God do? God allows across our lives paths some people who intentionally or unintentionally, willingly or unwillingly, knowingly or unknowingly, only God can judge motives and intentions. I encourage you, don't ever judge somebody's motive. When you judge somebody's motive, that tells a whole lot more about you than it does that person. Because you, you can't, only God can do that. We can only look at somebody's actions. Sometimes God will allow people into our lives who betray us, who forsake us, who turn against us, who talk about us, who try to hurt us. Think, man, God, why would you allow me to go through this? And God says back to us, because deep down I know the desire of your heart is to be like Jesus. And in order for you to be like Jesus, you're going to have to be in some situations like Jesus was in. And you're going to have to be around some people that are not all that easy to love. And if you can learn to show unconditional love to those who have knowingly or unknowingly hurt you, you will have taken a huge step forward in your relationship with God. Why? Because our relationship with God is not just about us and God. Our relationship with God is about us God and all the people that God allows to come into our lives. Well, that is so very true. We don't know who might hurt us in the future, but we do know who has hurt us in the past. And as we're thinking about this today, no doubt you're probably thinking about a person or maybe a group of people who have hurt you. Maybe they have drug your name through the mud. Maybe they have tried to hurt you in some other way, and you're really having a difficult time loving that person. Well, remember what Jesus said in this 13th chapter of John's Gospel. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so God wants us to love other people the same way that He loves us, and that is unconditionally. God loves us no matter what we do, no matter how badly we may sin or how horribly we may blow it. God just keeps on loving us. And so sometimes God allows people into our lives who are difficult to love, and yet 
we can love them because God's love is living in us. At least that's true if we're saved, if we have Jesus Christ living in our hearts. Because the Bible says that the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. And so I would encourage you to begin to look at that person who has hurt you differently. Look at them not as an enemy, not as somebody to get even with, not as somebody to retaliate against. Look at them as somebody whom you can love unconditionally, just like God loves you. And if you have never received Jesus Christ, then that's going to be impossible for you to do that because you can't love somebody with God's love if you don't have God. And so today, would you just pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. Fill my heart with your love and help me to love others out of the overflow of your love in me. And friend, if you have prayed that prayer today, God has heard you. God will help you to love others unconditionally.